brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to our review of the year with me, Chris Stafford, alongside Nancy Gillen. This is season three, episode 46, and we're recording on December 21st here. Very much the end of the year, a wrap up. Um, we, we're going to go through some of our favorite moments here, Nancy, but what a year it's been. I mean, when we look back on the year, was it hard for you to make your pick? It was, yeah. I think even though... I mean, there's been like a lot of challenges this year because of, well, mostly because of the pandemic. Um, but actually, when you look at it in the ter- in terms of like women's sport, it's been probably one of the best years in my memory for kind of uh, female athletes and uh, record breaking and, and breaking down those barriers that have previously been there. Um, so even though, yeah, there's been those obstacles, it's been an incredible year for women's sport and it was, it was hard to pick my favorite moments. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get to them in just a moment, but I just want to say that while we've chosen a handful of remarkable performances from a variety of sports, which will always be standout achievements, they'll be personal bests for the athletes and they'll go down in the history of their sport. But there are so many adjectives to describe what women have accomplished this year as the standards continue to improve and records are continually broken. And there's nothing to compare with the guts and determination of these dedicated athletes whose goals may have been achieved this year, but new ones will be set for the future. It's been and continues to be a thrill to watch women continue to soar to greater heights in their sports and show what's possible. And just when we think that a record cannot be broken, we see another generation break down barriers, train even harder, take on tougher competition and excel in themselves while showing the world the potential for women in any sport and anywhere in the world. And I think before we start, Nancy, looking back, I think that's the important part. We've seen so many more countries involved in sport, you know, uh, competing in a sport which may not be the strong suit of their country, if you know what I mean. They're not, not, not that a sport that their, their country is particularly known for. There's been much more crossover, overlap, and development of women in, in, in different uh, sports in different countries and many more minority countries. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, it's kind of almost like they've been able to find kind of a niche maybe where they're able to grow and develop into athletes where maybe, you know, it isn't so kind of male dominated in their specific country and so on. So it's, yeah, like you said, it's kind of always been a a great opportunity for them to really show what they're about. And of course, it's been an Olympic year. It should have been last year, but it did finish up being an Olympic year this year. So I'm going to kick off with football and my first uh, pick 
of 2021 will be Canada's football team winning that Olympic gold gold medal and the penalty shootout that came after drawing one all at normal time. Now, Jessica Fleming took the spotlight on, on that Friday night in Tokyo and she converted from the spot in the second half to equalise and scored Canada's first penalty in the shootout. Caroline Seeger had a chance to win the match for Sweden but saw her penalty saved by Stephanie LeBay. In total, there were seven missed penalties in the shootout, but after Jonah Anderson missed Sweden's fourth spot kick, Canada's Julia Grosso buried the winner. And the, the Canadian captain, Christine Sinclair, said, every single practice we worked on our penalty kicks, knowing that a lot of tournaments come down to them. And Canada had achieved previously back-to-back bronze medals at the London 2012 and Rio 2016 games, so this was a momentous journey for them. Having won another penalty shootout in their quarterfinal against Brazil, Canada beat reigning world champions in the USA in the USA in the semifinal to guarantee at least a silver medal. So going on to that final, Nancy against Sweden was one of those football matches that I think it brought out the best in everybody, but a huge disappointment for Sweden. Yeah, I think, I I mean, in the tournament, I remember, I think Sweden were the team that looked the most impressive. And I think most people thought um, in that final that Sweden were the the team that were going to get the gold medal and potentially deserve the gold medal more. But then I think that's kind of almost what made the Canadian victory so even kind of more specials because they were the underdogs um, and they had to fight against the odds to get that gold medal um, and made history while doing so. So yeah, it was a, you know, it was quite um, unlucky, unfortunate timing for us. Just, it was in the middle of the night, I remember. So um, it was quite hard to watch, but it was a, yeah, I mean, a, a brilliant showcase for women's football. It certainly was. Well, my second pick is actually um, a marathon runner, and and that is American Molly Seidel from Flagstaff in Arizona. She won the bronze medal in the Tokyo 2020 marathon with a time of 2 hours, 27 minutes and 46 seconds and was the first woman from the US to win an Olympic marathon medal since Dina Castor's bronze in Athens in 2004. And then three months later, Molly finished fourth overall in the New York City Marathon with a time of two hours, 24 minutes and 42 seconds, which was the fastest ever by an American woman. And in the process, she won $25,000 in prize money. And it's the first ever marathon that's um, in her first ever marathon, I should say, that was the Olympic trials for Tokyo. And she placed second. So the bronze medal she won was only while running her third career marathon, which is pretty extraordinary. I've I've picked this one, Nancy, because it showed tremendous guts, her running. I mean, the heat in Sapporo, as you know, was just blinding heat. Um, But she showed incredible guts to to take on the kind of competition she did. And, you know, as you were coming to the last few miles, we were thinking, can she maintain this? Can she maintain this? And then you see the Kenyans coming behind her, knowing uh, that, that, you know, they're the ones to beat, right? And I thought she she produced one of those standout performances, which will go down in, in history. Yeah, and I think... Um you know, like as someone, I've run a marathon myself and obviously that, you know, I'm nowhere near the level of, of those Olympians, but I think it did give me some understanding of what an impossible challenge it is. And, you know, adding, yeah, that heat and humidity of um, summer in Japan. Um, and the fact that she was very inexperienced in running kind of marathons and, and you know, that, that level of competition, it was just, yeah, uh, incredible and I'm very excited to see what she does in the future yes very much so yeah we'll be following my uh, Molly next year and seeing what she can do because obviously she'll have her sights set on Paris which will be in three years time not four years in three years time we'll have a lot more of that to come here on the show now my third um, candidate for uh, this review of the year is an American surfer 
uh, Carissa Moore, who's the world number one, and she's four-time world champion. Carissa is from Honolulu, Hawaii, so she grew up doing this sport from a very young age. I think her father taught her when she was just a toddler. Well, she took the gold medal in Tokyo as the sport found its way into the Olympic program for the first time. She dominated all her heats and, and she beat the South African Bianca Budidag in the end. And in 2021, she won another world championship, successfully defending her title against Tatiana Weston Webb in a head-to-head match in the inaugural WSL finals. So a new sport, we have seen more new sports coming into the Olympics. They're going to see changes for Paris and we're going to see changes for Los Angeles. But this one, I think, really made its mark. Did you get a chance to watch any of the surfing there, Nancy, from Tokyo? Um, I was able to watch the highlights, but it was, again, the timing was a bit, uh, it wasn't easy, I think, because they were getting up so early in the morning uh, to catch the the surf. Um, I think it was in the middle of the night here. But I was able to watch the highlights. And yeah, when I was at um, the Pan American Games as well in 2019, they had surfing there. So I was able to watch that live. And I think it's such a, um, a brilliant sport. I think it's, quite you know new and exciting um and yeah carissa moore i think kind of epitomizes the very best of surfing um and again yeah hopefully i think for paris i know the surfing in paris is in tahiti so i'm not sure what the time difference is going to be like for that but hopefully i'll be able to actually watch that uh, live on tv when that comes around yeah well it was obviously thrilling and, and well done to carissa she's had a, a standout year this year for sure well, my next pick is Australian Jessica Fox. And if you're a canoeing fan, you'll know Jess, Jess's name. She's an eight-time world champion and now an Olympic champion and considered the greatest individual paddler of all time. Okay, she did inherit some of this, of course, in her genes from her father and from her mother. Uh, so Jess finished this year then in the 2021 Canoe Slalom World Cup season, earlier in the season, of course, before the Olympics, by winning not only the golds, um, this was in Po in the south of France in canoe slalom and kayak, but she also won the overall World Cup Series title. And at the 2020 Olympic Games, she won the bronze medal in the women's canoe slalom K1 and was also the fastest qualifier for the final of the inaugural C1 canoe slalom event. And she then went on to win the gold medal, beating silver medalist Mallory Franklin of Great Britain by more than three seconds with a penalty-free run. And then as an eight-time world champion and now Olympic champion, Jess, as I said, is considered the greatest individual paddler of all time. It's a phenomenal record that she has, um, and it's extraordinary. It seems hard that anybody can beat this, but as I said earlier, Nancy, we think these records can't be beaten, but then somebody else comes along. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it just shows, I think, that every athlete probably always has to be on their toes because, um, like you said, records are ne- never last forever. But, um, yeah, Jess Fox, I think... I remember when I was back at Inside the Games when we used to cover the Canoe World Cups, she was always a name that was popping up all the time. It's just obvious that she was kind of head and shoulders above everyone else um, and already had a fair amount of records at that time. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, really great to see her kind of grow, uh, develop on that this year. Yeah. As I said, eight-time world champion, which is pretty amazing, and now an Olympic champion as well. You wonder what next for Jess, but I think she's got a lot more to come still in the sport. And now, of course, we've seen these new classes of, of, of canoe in, and kayak in, in the Olympic Games. So I'm sure she'll be heading to Paris. I'd be very surprised if she didn't. Um, there's a lot more to come from Jess Fox. Now, my next pick is Britain's most motor racing driver, Jamie Chadwick. This is a, someone that we've talked a lot about on the show here, Nancy because she clinched the 2021 W Series title and she's been so consistent this season showing her talent as a driver and as a development driver, of course, for the Williams team. She's poised now to move up to Formula One so she could be breaking a glass ceiling here, Nancy. And it's been 40 years since a woman was on the starting grid of a Formula One race and now there are a number of women that are hungry to achieve that ultimate ambition. But uh, it has to be said, Jamie stands out from them all, doesn't she? Definitely. And yeah, I think, you know, so the W Series, which is what Jamie Chadwick competes in, I think that, you know, it's kind of been created to have that pipeline into F1 and try and get more women into, you know, racing at the very top of motorsport. And yeah, since its creation, 
well, ja- Jamie's won both. So it's, she's obviously, you know, the very, very best in um, women's motorsport racing. And, and like you said, I think, you know, if anyone's going to do it and get into F1 and be on, you know, p- you know, be on that starting line, it's going to be her. Um, but I, I think the whole W series as a whole, it was, um, you know, Chadwick didn't win easily at all. She had Alice Powell, um, another British racer, taking her right down to the wire. It was went down to the very la- last day of racing. Um, you know, so there are obviously Chadwick is kind of the best and is the most likely to go up into F1. But behind her, there's, you know, probably five or six really, really good racing drivers that could also follow in her footsteps. Um, and yeah, I think just that the way the W series works and its partnership with F1, I think it's, it's a great event for championing, championing women. And hopefully it, you know, kind of its aim of, of increasing the amount of women in motorsports, ultimately that, that does happen. So yeah, congrats to Jamie because she, she has had a really great year. She certainly has. We'll be watching her next year and see where this W Series goes, if she can keep the likes of Alice Powell and others. There's so many good drivers there now in the W Series, so we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, I'm going to stay with British athletes now for my next pick. And anybody who knows the sport of three-day eventing won't be at all surprised that the British team won the European Eventing Championships again. And now by winning that, this team this year was all women, which is not surprising. I mean, as as you know, in eventing um, and equestrian sports, the Olympic disciplines, men and women compete on equal terms. And and this team were just star-studded team, so much experience amongst them. That was Nicola Wilson, of course, Piggy March, Sarah Bullimore. And Nicola Wilson, she'd recovered from a broken neck in 2019 um, to get back into full fitness and become a part of this team. They won not only the team gold medal, but Nicola became the individual champion as well. So shout out to them. Um, They really know how to do this sport so well. They are so consistently good in eventing um so very much de- deserved that win um and unusual of course for us to have a european championships in the same year as an olympic games and that's because of course the tokyo olympic games was pushed back another year this year well my last two picks nancy uh, have some overlap with yours so i've left them to the last and still staying in Europe now for for my next pick which is also your pick as well and that of course is in tennis with Britain's Emma Raducanu who won the US Open it was a triumph in so many ways her meteoric rise through the ranks will stand in the history of tennis Grand Slams and in particular the US Open with a wild card entry earlier in the year at Wimbledon ranked outside the top 300 she reached the fourth round in her first major tournament And at the US Open, two months later, Emma became the first singles qualifier in the Open era to win a Grand Slam title, beating Canada's Leila Fernandez in the final. She won three rounds of qualifying matches and seven matches in the tournament without losing a set. It was the second Grand Slam tournament for her career, and she holds the record for the fewest majors played before winning a title. Now, she did go on to win, just this last weekend, the BBC Sports Personality of the Year, which is a big deal in England. I used to love that programme. And... And some people were being critical of picking her because she won one tournament, but it was the tournament of 2021. It wasn't an accumulation of years of of success. It was we're talking about the highlight of 2021, Nancy, aren't we? So for those that are are saying it should have been somebody else that did more, um, I still think she deserves what she what she's achieved this year. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think as well, you know that. That idea, I think some people that say that maybe don't really understand tennis. You know, you've only got the four Grand Slams in the year and the idea of doing, you know, winning multiple Grand Slams in a year is really hard. Like hardly anyone does it. Um, And also I think it's more that Raducanu's victory was just so historic and so groundbreaking. You know, I think what other athletes had done that were nominated, um, as amazing as their achievements were, it has kind of been done before. But I think Raducanu becoming the first ever qualifier, male or female, to 
you know, go all the way through qualifying, all the way through the rounds of the Grand Slam and win the US Open is absolutely incredible. It's, it's like in, in football, if like a non-league team won the FA Cup, it's just, all you know, the odds on it are next to, you know, absolutely impossible. Um, I think as well, just what it meant for kind of British women's tennis, I suppose, because in men's tennis, you've got Andy Murray, who's been quite successful and people like Tim Henman as well. But I mean, in my living memory, there's never been a British women's tennis player that's been that good. You've had Johanna Conter, who has reached semifinals of Grand Slams, but, you know, never been, never won, never got to the final or never won. And to see a British female tennis player do that was amazing. And then to do it in such a historic way and not dropping a set as well. I mean, that in itself is an incredible achievement. Um, so I think it's, it's just, yeah, the, the, it's probably one of the best I've, I've said, like one of the greatest moments in sporting history, really just because of the impossibility of what she did. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what makes it so special. And she's still so young. I mean, we've seen in women's tennis, quite a lot of teenagers win grand slams in, in recent years. So that's not massively unheard of, but it's, you know, a sign of things to come, hopefully, and uh, I mean, if people are complaining that she doesn't has only won one thing, I'm, I'm hoping next year she'll win a few more tournaments and um, put them, yeah, make make them meet their words. Yeah, exactly. Because that was only the second Grand Slam um, of her entire career, but she rocketed up the rankings after that win, didn't she? So I think uh, we've got a lot to look forward to with Emma next year. Um, hopefully, she's feeling better. She tested positive to, to COVID, didn't she? Yeah, so she, I think she probably is nearing the end of the isolation now, but yeah, she's in um, Abu Dhabi um, isolating. Yeah, so probably disrupted her preparations for the Australian Open a little bit, but I think there's probably enough time between now and, and the start of that tournament for her to to get up to fitness. And yeah, hopefully she's feeling okay. Yeah, good luck to Emma. We'll be looking forward to next year to watching her competing again. Well, my my final pick again is is a pick that you made too, Nancy. And I think this is um, well. We'll talk about it in a minute. But let me just say who it is. It's Ireland's Rachel Blackmore because she won the twenty twenty one Grand National in April this year, riding the Irish bred Minella Time. So. It was Ireland and Ireland there. And there's never been a female winner of the Grand National in its 108-year history. Three weeks earlier, um, before the Grand National, she became the first female jockey to partner a winner of the Champion Hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival. And by finishing with six winners across the four days, she also became the first female jockey to win the Ruby Walsh Trophy for leading jockey at the festival. The Cheltenham Festival is a real festival of national hunt racing, for those of you who don't know. It's over fences, it's uh, uh, over solid steeplechase fences, and then there's hurdle hurdle races as well. Um, And it's thrillingly exciting, it really is. It's my favourite racing uh, festival of the year, uh, my race race meet. Um, Ch- Cheltenham always has been. It's really thrilling. It ha- takes place in March every year, um, and and it's tough. And it's uh, traditionally a battle between Ireland and England with Irish bred horses, Irish riders, um, and English bred horses and English riders. And it's um, you know it really has always been a, a local derby. So. For her to do what she did, winning the Grand National and having won the champion hurdle at Cheltenham Festival, become the first you know, um, female jockey to win as leading jockey of the festival, is extraordinary performance. That, to me, I think breaking down what is, um, you know, uh, been a male bastion in the sport for forever, forever. I mean, there still are not that many... Uh, lady lady jockeys in racing and, and certainly in, in steeplechase racing. So I, I think for me, that's going to be the standout performance of 2021, Nancy. I think she wins my overall uh, title, <laughs> my, my overall pick of the year. But she, she was one of your choices too. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's just something about seeing women um, competing in sport kind of against men or like in a male dominated sport and and winning which is just so satisfying I think um and as yeah I remember like you were saying in in the in the kind of 
run up to the Grand National. So she'd been doing all these things at Chelsea Festival, um, which, you know, were incredible. And obviously working in women's sport, I was hearing about them. But I think for a lot of people that don't necessarily follow horse racing, they weren't really aware of it. But then the Grand National is kind of an event that just cuts through, you know, um, it's, 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 it's of general interest. Like everyone watches it. Everyone puts a bet on it. It's just it's just something that a lot of people watch, regardless of whether they watch horse racing for the rest of the year or not. So for for Blackmore to then you know have have done all everything she did at the Cheltenham Festival and then compete at the Grand National and win it, um, I think was incredible. Um, yeah, and again, going back to the BBC Sports personality, she won the World uh, Sports Star. Being Irish, she wasn't. Um, eligible to be nominated for the main award but the people she beat in that it was a public vote and the people she beat in that uh, category it was like you know Max Verstappen the Formula One the winner of this year's F1 um, competition um, Elaine Thompson Hurrah the two-time three-time Olympic champ- sprint champion um, you know there, there was just absolutely massive names on there Tom Brady the American footballer like there were massive names on there and she won and it was kind of amazing that the public obviously related to her and were inspired by her and in awe of her winning the Grand National as much as we we have been uh, to vote for her to win that um so yeah she she's uh yeah I'm, I'm I'm inspired by her as well um I think she's she's brilliant yeah, that was absolutely awesome. As you say, it becomes a, you know, a public vote and, and it just shows how popular, you know, the Grand National is. It is very much in the public eye, even if they don't follow the sport the rest of the year, they do watch the, the Grand National and have a have a flutter, as we say. So well done to, to Rachel. Now, I did notice that she was crowned the World Sports Star of the Year in the BBC Sports Awards. That, that's a relatively new uh, award, isn't it, Nancy? Yeah, I think so. I think they've been doing it maybe for the past. I mean, I, I remember going to the event in 2012, and I'm pretty sure they did it then. But I think it is relatively recent. Yeah, um, I mean, some of the names that have won it since they've had it are massive. So yeah, for for Blackmore to be among those that are, those those names are you know people like Usain Bolt. Um, so it's very very prestigious award, even though yeah, like you said, it is quite recent. Yeah, extraordinary. Well, the winner of the Young Sports Personality of the Year at the BBC Awards was skateboarder Sky Brown. Of course, she made headlines this year. And then the winner of Helen Rollinson Award, and now that means probably more to me than it does to you. I knew Helen, and she died so tragically young. But they named an award after her, and the winner of that was the Arsenal and Scotland's defender, Jen Beattie. Tell me a little bit more about the background to that so people understand what that award means and why uh, Jen was chosen, Nancy. Yeah, so, yeah, she was, Beattie was um, diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, I think, about a year and a half ago. Um, obviously, she, you know, she played plays football I think and also is is relatively young I think is you know kind of nearish I can't remember her exact age but she's around 30 um so kind of very young to be diagnosed with cancer um and she um luckily they found they found out about it early enough that she didn't need chemo so she had radiotherapy instead um and then has thankfully made a full recovery. Um, but I think she was awarded because of kind of the awareness, you know, the fact that she went public with it and she, when she speaks about it, she's very eloquent and, and tells people, you know, to make sure that to check themselves and to go to a doctor if they find anything out of the ordinary. So she was very, very open kind of with her experience and her journey. And, you know, that will obviously help people or save people's lives in the future because they're listening to her who is this footballer um, who plays for club and country and um, hear her story and and learn a lesson essentially and it will save people's lives um, and yeah she's she's uh, I was w- watching the the show the BBC Sports Personality of the Year and the clip from that is that it's very emotional actually I recommend watching it um, and yeah, very, very relieved that she's kind of fully back and she plays every week now. So I'm I'm very relieved that she's back 
um, to full health and also to full fitness in terms of her footballing career. That's fantastic. And you say she's, as you say, she is only 30, so she's still got uh, lots of playing years ahead, hopefully. Well, congratulations to her. And uh, as, as she, as Nancy said, Jen made the point, you know, it's so important to get screened. Um, I'm now 70 years of age, Nancy, and this year was the first time I've ever had to have a biopsy. Um, and it's so important. I mean, screening is there for a purpose. It turned out to be negative. It was just calcification, which happens with aging, apparently. We all have calcium in our body. Uh, but they wanted to check it, and they've marked it, and we'll keep an eye on it. So it turned out to be totally benign, but it does prove the importance, Nancy, of of getting screened. That we we screen for a reason, and uh, let's let's b- beat this because we can. Um, but it's a scary moment when you get called back for a biopsy. But you know, uh, I hope you get screened regularly, Nancy. Yeah, well, I'm, I've, I've luckily, I, fortunately, I haven't had to at the moment. But yeah, I think people like Jen Beattie speaking out about it also normalizes it, and yeah, makes makes you know encourages you to do stuff like that. So yeah, it's definitely a good thing. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We're going to move on to your other picks now. And you had mentioned her earlier. I know she's one of your favorite athletes of all time, I think, possibly, is Elaine Thompson Hurrah. Yeah, I just, I have a lot of respect for Elaine Thompson Hurrah. Um, so at the Olympics this year, she um, successfully retained her Olympic titles in the 100 and 200 meter races. Um, she became the first woman to do this. Um, the only man that's done it is Usain Bolt. And obviously, you know, he's such a respected figure in world sport. So for Thompson Hurrah to be following in his footsteps just shows what an achievement it is. Um, I also just really enjoyed watching her this year because of the caliber of the athletes that were also in women's sprinting. It's such a high, high standard at the moment. Um, you've got people like Shelly Ann Fraser Price, who's another Jamaican sprinter, uh, Dina Asher Smith, who unfortunately was um, got injured at the Olympics, couldn't properly compete. But when she's at the top of her game, she can easily threaten Fraser Price and Thompson Hurrah. Um, Shikari Richardson came out of nowhere uh, this year and um, obviously a bit of a controversial character and wasn't at the Olympics. But again, in terms of her actual performances on the track, she is a very fast runner. Um, And it was just, I think, Thompson Hurrah almost holding off all these threats and particularly in the Olympics from Shelly Ann Fraser Price. to to beat her and to run so fast. And then I think it was 10-6-1 that she ran at the Olympics in the 100 metres. And then the fact that she didn't give up, kind of just stepped back. She was like, you know, I've got my free gold medals from the Olympics. Um, she actually, uh, at a Diamond League event, a few weeks later ran uh, 10-5-4. So shaved off her personal best by quite... A considerable amount and has is now just inches inches away from the women's world record um just Florence Griffith Joyner's uh, world record from 1988 um which is 10 1049 isn't it I think uh so you know she's she's so close to it and I think if anyone's going to break that world record that has been in place for so long it's going to be Thompson Hurrah um and unfortunately it didn't happen this year but I'm 
I think if she continues in the form that she's in and, you know, she's 28, she's got a lot of time, uh, she'll definitely get that world record. Yeah. How exciting is that to look forward to? My goodness, as you say, it's so competitive. And I think uh, then we might see a change in this uh, hierarchy uh, next year. Um, but you, it seems you've almost got to have a double-barreled name because this is very much a <laughs> double-barreled name club, isn't it? Yeah, it's really annoying writing headlines with these athletes in because it's too always too long. Um, but yeah, it's a, a weird quirk about women's sprinting. It does seem like you need a double barrel name. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to move on to somebody now who has a very simple name, two syllables in each name, Fallon Sherrick. And we've talked about her several times on, on this uh, program, Nancy. Um, and I know the World Darts Championship just happened and she got beaten. She's on her way home, so to speak. Um, but tell me a little bit more about how she, how she, how did she do in this competition and why you've picked her for, for the review of the year? Yeah. So yeah, Fallon Sherrick again is, I think quite similar to Rachel Blackmore in that she competes in a essentially a male sport or a male dominated sport, you know, there's no gender split. Um, And she first kind of burst onto the scene in 2019 when she won a match at the world championships and was the first woman to ever win a match at the world champs. Uh, And then went on to win a second match as well. And then went out in the third round. Um, Unfortunately this year, she did lose in the first round of the world championships. Um, Although it was a really, really good match. She, it went right down to five sets, the fifth set, deciding set, um, so she fought hard, um, but unfortunately didn't win. But despite that, she's still in other areas of darts is still breaking ground massively. Um, so she became the first woman to reach a televised uh, PDC, so the, um, the darts kind of governing body final. Um, and the only person that prevented her from winning uh, the tournament was a three-time world champion, Michael Van Gerwen. Um, and she also became the first woman to reach, reach the quarterfinals of the Grand Slam of Darts in November as well. So um, for me, just, yeah, I, I think I'm so in awe of her because she has this very kind of masculine sport and she just goes in there and um, always seems to perform at the very highest of levels. I know apparently I've heard in the more kind of, uh, the events are on, on less of a big stage, you know, you're kind of week in, week out, darts she doesn't perform as well as when she's on there on the stage it's like she thrives off the pressure um and just continually continually breaks ground um and I'm sure again even though she lost in the first round of this world champs she'll be back you know she's got many many years to play especially in darts you know they they go on for years um and she's pretty young she's in her 20s so she'll be playing for a while to come and I think every year she plays she she keeps breaking records so um, yeah, that's that's why I picked her. Yeah, I didn't I hadn't realised she was in her twenties. So, gosh, there's yeah, many she, many years to come. She, she can continue to she's improve. She's 20, 27, I think she is. She's only like two years older than me. So she's you know, darts darts players go on till probably about fifties, sixties, really. Um, so she's got about 40 years left probably of her career. <laughs> yeah. So she's at, like this at this point, you know, all this experience she's getting, you know, she's probably not going to hit her peak for another like 20 years. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's exciting, very exciting. Yeah. Cause as you say, it's the experience that she's getting and also getting used to that pressure, you know, in, in, in that, you know, which really is a very, very tense environment, isn't it? An indoor environment and, um, and very rowdy crowds that have had a few to drink. I mean, talk about the male atmosphere, male-dominated sport. She's right in the thick of it, isn't she? Yeah, exactly. And it is very, I think that's what it is. It's, you know, quite uh, a lot of men watching it, a lot of alcohol, rowdy. But I was watching the match, which is at Alexandra Palace, which is the quite I'm quite local to. And the crowd absolutely love her. They were just singing songs about her the whole time. Like every time she got like 180, they were cheering so much. They were actually booing her opponent, um, who apparently is like one of the nicest men in darts. So I think the commentators were quite shocked about that. But it just shows that, that they were really, really, really behind her. And she's managed to kind of, you know, get everyone on her side, uh, which is an incredible, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well done her. 
and I hope she's not too disappointed, disappointed by this championship because, as you say, so many more to come and that she has spoke, chosen a sport with such longevity uh, bodes well for us and, and we'll see a lot more of Fallon. So good luck to her and, um, and well done for getting Nancy's nod this year in our review of 2021. Well, the, the the final pick that you have, Nancy, is is actually record breaking in itself because you went to a cricket match this year. <laughs> yeah, I did my my first ever cricket match, and it was a, a great experience. Um, it was the opener for the hundred, which is a new cricket tournament. Um, very, which very much places the emphasis on on gender equality. So there's a women's tournament and a men's tournament, um, but the idea is that they're given the same amount of promo, the same amount of resources. Um, and the majority of matches were played as double headers around the country. Um, but the opening match, they gave it to the women. So the Oval Invincibles played Manchester Originals um, at the Oval. And it was the first, it was something like the first time that a women's game or match had started a major tournament in the UK which just shows how kind of it was a you know it was a big event um and yeah so I went along to that with 7,394 other people uh, and watched this match which was really it was really really fun um the atmosphere was incredible um the attendance itself was a modern day record for a domestic women's cricket match um and then unfortunately I didn't really have time to go to any of the other matches I did want to, but then even watching that on TV, you know, the, the, the attendances that were there were brilliant and the final was played at Lords. Um, and I think it broke the record again for the women's match. Um, I can't quite remember how many people were there, but it was more than 7,000 for sure. Um, so the whole tournament really did a lot to raise the profile of women's cricket. And yeah, that opening match, I think picked it specifically because I went there, but also because of, the kind of history behind it and it was you know the starting point of a really exciting tournament um and it's an annual tournament so it'd be happening uh every year so i'm looking forward to going again this year or next year even yeah <laughs> next year even yeah well well done you i'm glad you in- enjoyed it to the extent that it gets a nod here on your pick for 2021 and uh, I, I must say it has been an extraordinary year Nancy and for me my, my my pick of all of these has to be Rachel Blackmore who would you single out as your overall champion? I personally I'm going to go with Emma Raducanu I think just because I think the British affiliation just having you know that that pride of of an athlete from your country doing such a remarkable thing. Um, I think what she did for women's sport here, what she, women's tennis already has quite a lot of parity, but I think, you know, say when she won BBC Sports Personality of the Year, she was the first female winner since 2006 in 15 years. Um, so it's it's that kind of, you know, she's, she's reaching a new level uh, for women's sport here. And uh yeah, I mean, it, I feel like maybe even if she doesn't go on to win anything else, she's done, done such an incredible thing. Um, so for me, it's her. I think that was that was definitely my favourite moment. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's very hard to choose because it was, as we've just proven, it was it was such a brilliant year for for women's sport. Yeah, it certainly was. And we hope that you've enjoyed our coverage too, because as I said, we've we've now in season three, it's episode 46, and we're going to take a break now over the holidays and come back with a new look to the show. And, and so Nancy and I are going to come up with a new name for the show, just to give it a fresh coat of paint. I think it's time, isn't it? I can't remember how many episodes we've done, but three seasons and usually a weekly show. So uh, that's a lot of episodes, Nancy. It's, so what is it, 150, something like that? Yeah, a, a lot. A lot of well, just shows how much women's sports news there is every week. <laughs> and, and every week we say that we are not short of stories to cover. And, and of course, we'd love to hear from you if you think we're missing anything. We need to cover something that you know about and we haven't yet covered. You can drop us a line at info at wisports.com. And of course, you can always post your comments on our social media at wisports. And, and <clears throat> as I said, do post your comments about anything that we do here at Wisp Sports. 
And I want to thank my co-host, Nancy Gillen. Nancy, for being beside me every week. Uh, we have stood fast through, pan- through the pandemic, through uh, the Olympic Games. We've got another Olympic Games to look forward to in a, in a couple of months. Um, it's been fun having you on board. You've become quite the oracle of women's sports. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. And it's because of you, uh, you know, letting me be here that, I, that has developed my knowledge so much. And I'm... I think winter sports is is what I'm learning most about every week. <laughs> I've learned learned who's who's winning the skiing World Cup and, and stuff like that. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to do this show. Terrific. Well, I know, you, and you've enjoyed a change yourself, a personal change, moving from inside the games to give me sport women uh, and having fun over there, extending your horizons too on a personal level. Yeah, definitely. And I mean. Um, here, you know, next year we've got in England alone, we've got the women's Euros, the football tournament and then the Commonwealth Games as well. And um, I think where I am now in my job, I'm in absolute prime position to to go out and, and cover those events. And I'm very excited for it. So, yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to to the next 12 months. And if you've missed any episodes, if you've been to sleep since, uh, when was it, the, the London Marathon, October? Uh, yeah. Just to remind you that my friend here did complete the London Marathon. So that's another personal best for her, a personal achievement. And you were telling me, Nancy, you've got plans for next year. Uh, tell our listeners what, what you're going to do for your running career. Yeah, so I'm thinking of doing uh, the half marathon in Cambridge in March, um, trying out a trail off marathon in the Lake District in uh, May. And then I've entered the London Marathon, which is in October again this year. Um, if I don't get that, I'm considering doing the Yorkshire Marathon. Um, so I, th- I think that's quite a nice schedule for next year where kind of building up gradually, hopefully for a marathon at the end of the year. So, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, the best of luck there. I'm sure we'll be following your training to these events like we did for the London Marathon. Um, And it certainly got you through that part of the pandemic too, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think just having that um, kind of being able to go out, still go out and run and then also just having, I think, something to work towards um, was definitely a great help. And you know, if things do take a turn for the worst, it's it's nice that I've got those events in the calendar that I can also just keep working towards those as well. Definitely. Well, I too, I'm taking a little bit of a break. I'm, I'm dealing with some injuries at the moment, which I'm getting the better of so that I can come out in the new year and resume my fitness program and, and aim for some um, cycling goals too. I've got some big rides to look forward to next year. So more of that when we when we get to it. But I want to take this opportunity finally at the end of 2021, because this is our last show of the year. It's just, as I said, we're going to take a break now. But I want to thank all of the hosts at WIS Sports who've done a fantastic job to increase our coverage of women's sports and the partnerships that we have, not least of all with Abby Ehler and the Magenta Project. Uh, Abby hosts The Sailing Show, a monthly show, and we've been partners with them now for six years. Uh, we've This is our sixth, next year will be the seventh season of The Sailing Show. We've also had a partnership with the We Coach organization, and Megan Khan has been the host alongside Marcy Cornegay for that show. And again, thanks to them. I know both of them have since and very recently left the organization. So good luck to them. And we'll be um, waiting to hear if we'll be continuing with that program, the We Coach podcast, because that has been tremendously popular in spreading the word for coaches, for women coaches in all sports. And also our partnership with the Tucker Centre for Research with Women and Girls in Sport. That show, the Tucker Centre Talks uh, podcast, has been hosted by Dr. Nicole Lavoie, and we enjoy that partnership with them. Looking forward to a new season in 2022. And also Dr. Kirsten Lauritsen, who's been hosting Try This. She's a, a age grouping, um, age grouper in triathlon and she uh, loves nutrition too. So she loves to focus on that and she's been covering every aspect of training for triathlon. So we're looking forward to continuing that show next year. Um, as well as the new show that we started this year, and we now come to the end of season two. There'll be season three in the new year, and that's in rugby with Naya Tapper and Ilona Myers. 
The show is the Leo's Den show. They're two Leos, and they're, they're both from uh, the USA Rugby Sevens team. And Lo and, and Naya have produced a very, very popular show here on the network. So our thanks to them, and we look forward to a new season. Um, and, and, of course, Dr. Juliet McGratton, who's been hosting Active Health Show. She's now back uh, with season two, so we're continuing that in the new year. And that's for anybody who runs, uh, and there's a lot of medical advice there as well. So we've got a bit of everything here, and every week, as, as you know, if you listen to this show, we bring you news from around the world of women's sports. So we're wrapping it up for 2021. We're looking forward to 2022. Nancy, what apart from those big competitions that you just mentioned um what else are you looking forward to immediately in the new year when we come back after the holidays what's your focus going to be on um i think building up to the australian open definitely um i think obviously we've got the beijing olympics as well in in starting in february or end of february march um i mean the start the return of the women's super league after the winter break um i mean there's there's a lot of the ashes, the women's ashes actually, isn't there? Uh, yes. The cricket. Yeah. Um, there's and already there's so much. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there's netball. Yeah, there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> there really is. Gonna, there's not going to be any shortage for us here at Wisp Sports for, to, to cover. But it, we, we wouldn't be able to do this without your support. So my final thanks are to you, the listeners, for everything you've done in supporting Wisp Sports through the years. Now we're coming to our seventh year and bringing you the only podcast network for women's sports in the world. So thank you for your support of Wisp Sports. And again, thanks to everyone everybody involved with this team it does take a village nancy to produce what we do every year we are now in the top two percent of podcasts globally that's over two million podcasts i think climbing to three million podcasts so it we know this is quite an achievement and it's thanks to the team that we have here so nancy without further ado i think it's time to wrap up the show any final words for you for 2021 oh i hope everyone stays safe especially with the omicron variant um out and about but yeah I, th- I think everyone stay safe and to see everyone in 2022 for another brilliant year of women's sport absolutely well i echo that stay safe everybody have a wonderful christmas holiday season where however you celebrate and wherever you celebrate keep training if you're in training uh, but enjoy a little bit break too like we're going to and then we'll be back in 2022 with more coverage from around the world of women's sports so until then thank you all for listening Goodbye for now. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.